Hey there, my name is Matt Nickerson, lead pastor for Kingsway Christian Church. The following content is put together by some people who have different experiences, different expertise than I have. The views you hear expressed in these may or may not represent the elders and Kingsway Christian Church, so don't assume that going in. These are hard subjects that we believe God cares about deeply, and that's why we wanted to have a further conversation about these subjects. However, there are some terms or some concepts and ideas discussed in here that really aren't appropriate for little ones. So we recommend that you don't have your kids present in the room while you're going through this content. May God use this to encourage you, challenge you, and deepen you in your faith. God bless. You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. I want to welcome everybody to this podcast recording today. Uh, I'll let these gentlemen introduce themselves in just a moment, but just to invite all of you into this conversation about poverty in America, our hope is to open your eyes, open your hearts, help you to see a little bit of the issue maybe behind the scenes and uh, have some hard conversations, talk about some hard things, and then also just allow God to move in us. So I want to encourage you to just listen humbly, open your ears, maybe put aside your preconceived notions and just see what God has in store for you today. So why don't you guys first take an opportunity to introduce yourselves to us today and uh, maybe your experience and what you do as it relates to the world of poverty. I'm Steve Germani, and I currently work with Wheeler Mission, um, but I have uh, worked um, for charitable organizations for going on 18 years now. Thank you. I'm uh, Jeff Lee. I'm on the board of Family Promise of Hendricks County, and uh, I work at Eli Lilly. I work extensively with the United Way also, so I've had a lot of um, probably over 12 years of uh, experience working with different organizations, homeless and and otherwise. Um, also been a pastor all the way up to 25 years ago. So, yeah. so um, take a moment now before we dig into actual um, issue of poverty and homelessness and some of these questions are all wrapped up in there. Can you tell us a little bit about what Wheeler does and a little bit about what Family Promise does? Steve, you want to go first? Sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep this fairly <laughs> concise. There's, there's a lot to, to talk about. Um, but essentially, Wheeler Mission is the state of Indiana's largest and oldest homeless services provider. Uh, we've been uh, in existence since 1893. And uh, currently, um, we serve um, uh, roughly about 1,000 meals a day to uh, about, on average, 750 to 800 men, women, and children each day throughout the course of a year. Um, what people primarily think of when they think of Wheeler Mission is our emergency uh, shelter services, uh, which is uh, a big part of what we provide. Um, but what people may not be aware of is that we have uh, six separate facilities, six separate locations, and we have long-term programs. And we are very much uh, working toward helping individuals get to a place of stability and housing um, if they're interested in taking that path. Um, but we are absolutely there for anybody and everybody who needs a place to go. We're known as what, what would be referred to as a low barrier shelter, right? If someone has nowhere else to go, we end up being the solution okay. for central Indiana and especially Indianapolis. Uh, is that, is that your barriers, your limits? So if somebody's in Hedricks County, can they get help from Wheeler Absolutely. Well? Okay. We get people from all over. Okay. Um, and that is very, that is very unique, I think, for Wheeler Mission to play that role in, yeah. in this particular area. Um, in fact, uh, you know, we, we have a relationship with the Department of Corrections, for example. So if somebody is released from prison and they have nowhere to go, mm. um, they'll bring them to us. Wow. So we, we are that open door, okay. uh, truly an open door 
uh, for anyone and everyone who has nowhere else to go. As long as there's space, uh, we'll greet them with with uh, uh, compassion and provide a, a nutritious meal. And our food is very good. I eat there all the time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a clean bed and and uh, and and. and uh, a hot shower and, and they'll have access to clothing and case management and mm. other opportunities to, um, to uh, access the resources and supports that they may need that may go beyond our walls, but yeah. we'll help, help them connect. Very cool. And what about Family Promise? So Family Promise is a little bit different in the fact that we focus primarily on getting people out of homelessness um, and focus all of our energy in that space. We don't actually house people um, off the street. We're not that fr- uh, frontline barriers you were, as you were mentioning. Uh, but we do focus on um, a small group of families at a time, working with them individually to get them back into, um, into homes. So the, you know, the biggest barrier of course is affordable housing and other, um, jobs and daycare, the very basic things that we t- kind of take for granted. Uh, we focus on making sure that they have these things addressed. Um, so we spend a lot of time with the individual families, and once we get them back into home, because we prevent and end homelessness as our goal, as a mo- as kind of a, a motto, motto. But our goal, when we when we ach- achieve that, um, we stay with them for a couple of years, yeah. and we continue to work with them to make sure they don't fall back and regress back. And our our rate is really really high; it's in the 80s or 90s percent. Fantastic! Praise God. So uh, this question has been eating at me uh, since Stephen and I had a conversation a week ago. Um, but what are some of the misconceptions um, of the poor that, that you find people have? And I'd love to hear both of your thoughts. You may have had the same thought. So, Well, so we have in uh, Avon schools right now, there's 108 homeless kids. In Avon schools? In Avon schools. Wow. So what does that look like? Because that would be what we would call suburban homelessness, right? It's, it's se- several different um, types of homelessness. One is... You get that suburban homelessness where you have uh, families couch surfing because they may have some sort of a network of people they know, family, uh, friends, that they can go and bounce around between houses, stay with them for a few days or weeks until they burn that out and they move to another place. Um, the other one is actually cars and parking lots. Wow. Um, and they, it's cheaper for them to get a membership to a gym to shower their kids and get them bathing ready for school. Um, and they'll take them to school, drop them off, or let them, or take them to a bus stop where the bus thinks that they can pick them up and take them to school. So there's lots of ways they can hi- kind of hide right underneath the surface. Um, but homelessness in homelessness in Hendricks County is very invisible um, in in a lot of ways because you don't see the the people on the street corners. You see a handful of people on the street corners, right? And that's yeah. typically what we associate with homelessness. And we look at around, we see, oh, there's only three people on the street corners. There must, there must not be that many people homeless. But the reality is we're, rest- we're restoring to, and Family Promise alone, I don't know, I don't know the, the other, uh, other groups and agencies around, but for Family Promise, we're restoring to homes five families a week. A week? A week. Wow. And that's, that's a huge, huge thing that, that would go unnoticed. And these people would have, really, they have nowhere else to go. Would, would that be Hendricks County primarily or alone? I don't know if they, if they have rules on... No, we don't. We don't have borders. Okay. Like I think, like many, you just you help, right? right? That's what right. your your vision and your mission is to help people uh, get out of homelessness. So certainly, we focus in Hendricks County. We have a uh, our main office is in Plainfield, and we just opened up a, a branch in Brownsburg, okay. and uh, to help out a lot of the uh, people that are in that area. Because another problem that we have in Hendricks County is no public transportation. There's no way for people to get around. 
Um, and some of the causes that cause homelessness, especially here in Hendricks County, um, we don't think about these things as as, as, as a person maybe that makes sixty five thousand dollars a year, which is the average income in Hendricks County. But if you lose a car, it breaks down, and you're a one income family. You're going to be homeless within a month. Wow. Because you're living pay, pay, paycheck to paycheck, or if you have a baby, is the number one cause of homelessness. Because in, in Hendricks County yeah, or in the world, if, you, or if you're if you're two couples and you're making let's say ten dollars an hour, fifteen dollars an hour, which is horrible, horribly low, um, and you have to put your children in a daycare which you can't afford, and then you have another baby, somebody's got to stay with the baby, which means somebody loses a job, which means they're shortly homeless thereafter, or they can't afford to pay their bills and they're they're out on the street. That's where that's where we step in. And when we hear about that and, and people come to us, we're able, we have funds. There's, there's lots of funds available, but people don't know about them mm. to get people back into a home or get, keep them in the home. We spend a lot of money simply keeping people in their home during a, during a crisis when they are um, getting ready to lose it. They come to us and say, something's happened this month. My car broke down. I had to spend the 500 bucks to fix my car. Yeah. And now I don't have any money for rent. And we step in and we cover them, yeah. keep them in their homes so they don't. Because once you step out the door of homelessness and once you, once you go down and, and you have somebody evict you and that record's on you, you're not going to find another place that's going to rent to you, yeah. period. Because why would they choose to rent to you who have been eviction when the prices in the county are so high? They can, they can take a, what we call it, we call what we they have what we call C-class, A-class, B-class, C-class, D-class housing and in Hendricks County what would be a c-class type housing downtown Indianapolis is a b-class here or a class here because they can take a really cheap house and sell it for a lot or rent it out for a lot of money and when you're paying 900 bucks a month and you're only making 15 bucks an hour that's half your paycheck yeah just on the house so I have a million questions Jeff but I want to give Steve a chance to speak into this and then we'll just start a conversation so feel free to inter interact with each other as well so Steve what, what would be your answer like what are some of the misconceptions people have sure no and that's that's really interesting listening to you talk Jeff um, you know my, my focus is so much on what's happening in Indianapolis and uh, you know I have three kids in the Avon school system and I would not have known you know, that, that's a very high number. I, I would not have guessed that. But, but I think, you know, when I hear you say that, one of the things that, that you know, sticks out to me um, in answering that question, Matt, is, is that, you know, I think, you know, sometimes uh, it looks very different than the image that we have in our head of what homelessness or poverty looks like. Um, you know, I, I think that sometimes uh, people think it's the panhandler on, on the corner um, in the city, or off the highway, or, or they think that it's uh, some age-old kind of, and I, and I hate to be kind of crude here, but like the hobo in, in, in uh, you know, the Andy Griffith show or something. That, that is not how it looks. If you come to our shelter for men uh, downtown, which is where we serve the vast majority of the people that we serve, um, you're going to see a whole lot of people that look very similar to us um, and, and, you know, maybe even have very similar childhoods. Um, so it, it comes in all sorts of different, uh, uh, um, you know, images than what we might think. And, uh, and, I, and I think that that's important to remember. Um, so th that's one of the first things that sticks out to me. And then also when you ask that question, um, 
the, the other thing that pops up to me and, and it's, has always kind of stuck out to me is that I think that there's, and it, it's, and I get, this is very cultural um, and it's very deeply embedded in our culture. Um, but, you know, we, we, there's this story that we tell ourselves of, of how we got to where we are because of how hard we worked mm-hmm. and, and, and how much we've done. And, and while that's very true and nobody's attacking that story, I mean, keep that story for yourself. It's an important story. Um, and it's very true in many cases. However, um, the, often the, the underbelly of that story is that we assume that those who are struggling that those who come through our shelter doors, that those who are experiencing poverty somehow, some way didn't work as hard or do enough. And my experience is that that is uh, sometimes true, but very often not the case at all. And especially as Christians, right, um, even in the cases where maybe they did do some things that were questionable, um, gosh, you know, that doesn't mean that they should stay there forever and that there shouldn't be somebody available to help them through uh, working through the, the, the obstacles and barriers that are in their way, right? Um, but, but absolutely, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that um, we should challenge ourselves to think that we know what it looks like, and we should challenge ourselves to think that we know why or how they put themselves in that position. Right. Yeah. I've got... So many questions I want to follow up now. This is fascinating me. Um, i give a quick illustration. When I was a, a student pastor in my last church, um, there was a family who, where the dad uh, was a hard worker, uh, made decent money, but he had an alcohol problem. And when he got drunk, he was a mean drunk, and he would often explode. And occasionally the, the police would have to be called late in the night. And at some point, the, the son in this family became connected to our youth group so through a friend. At some point, he gave his life to Jesus. And at some point, we started having hard conversations. Well, as a pastor, once I know this dynamic, I have a legal responsibility and probably a moral one, too, to, to respond to that. The problem is, and I know this going in, the moment I, uh, the moment I step in and do something about this, um, this, this father's going to be taken out of this home. That's exactly what happened. He ends up getting arrested, um, going to jail. Um, and now that mom doesn't work and now there's no income in the family and the church tried to help and tried to help, tried to help. But there came a point where it was like, we've got to get you back on your feet. Um, and in that situation, you know, she had a smoking problem. She had, you know, newspapers and magazines coming to the house and cable and all these things. We had to teach her how to manage money when she had, she she didn't have an income. We had to help her get a job. Praise God. There was a ministry similar to what you guys had in our town. All the churches had come together and built something called the hour center together. Very similar. And the goal is to help them get on their feet, but it was helping her to embrace this new reality. And I heard the reason to tell the story is I heard Andy Stanley say years ago, and I don't, I don't, I've never been able to look up if he's accurate, but he said the number one cause of poverty in America is divorce. Because you take, say, a two-income home or whatever it is and all the bills, and now you split that, and you've got one person trying to carry that entire load on their own plus another person trying to carry that same load doubled on their own and manage the back and forth. And um, I don't know if he's accurate or not. You said you said his kids. I could see it going, what's, you know, what's the difference here? Splitting hairs, right? It's both and either or. Um, somebody, well, yeah. well, I, and I, I, you know, I, I think that uh, relationships in general is is the key there, right? Like yeah. I, I think, you know, and I don't know what the number one cause of poverty or homelessness yeah. is. Um, there, there's a lot of information out there that, that, you know, shines a light on a variety of different issues. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that's always stuck out to me is that when, you know, and Jeff referred to this earlier, you know, there's people who are couch surfing and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're homeless. Yeah. 
but they might not be on the streets, and so it's not counted in some sort of point right. in time count or something. Um, you know, the bottom line is is that when you run out of those relationships and you have nowhere else to go, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's that's when it gets really really hard, right? And so, um, and and again, I'm painting with a really broad stroke here, so bear with me. But for example, when we look at our demographics of who we serve. Um, at Wheeler Mission, um, you know, it, it's a it's primarily white and African American. Okay. Um, so Latino populations, we don't see nearly as much. Um, certainly, far less than their makeup of or the composite. You know, how, mm-hmm. in, in terms of how they're represented in the community, uh, I would assert, uh, not being an expert here, so I'm taking a leap here, but I think relationships are a big reason why, yeah. uh, the sense of community and family that exists there. So um, I, I, I do think, re, you know, when, when relationships begin to deteriorate mm-hmm. in a person's life, um, yeah, they, 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 they end up falling yeah. through the cracks somewhere. Yeah, and the network of uh, people uh, keep you kind of off the street and kind of keep you out of the, the, the sight of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And once you become, uh, once you once you lose that network, or once that network is disconnected, or you've used it up, um, then you're then you're visible. But the invis it's a lo- sort of like the iceberg, right? Mm, yeah, you've got a very small piece that you're seeing because those are the visible ones. But there's an invisible layer underneath, and they don't really know a lot of them what to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, and we, we can get off of this, but there's so much to no. talk about here, right? So. You know, there, there's this thing called the point in time time count, and and also in 2018, uh, the city of Indianapolis came out with uh, Mayor Mayor Hogsett came out with the plan to end homeless homelessness. It was a five year plan, and and uh, it, whether you look at the point in time count, which is a, a federal initiative, or or uh, the city's plan to end homelessness, it basically come out at around you know the city of Indianapolis has about 1,600 individuals experiencing homelessness on any given night, right? So, give or take on a, any given night. Yes. Yes. But but I think what what Jeff is saying, which is so critical here, is that that number is much larger. Um, that's only what we see, but there are many people, and and it's hard to quantify it. It's hard to get our arms around it. But there's a lot of people who are uh, invisible uh, on a couch um, in uh, in a uh, a network of supports where they're not being counted in those numbers, but they're so close to just a couple of things uh, happening and they are then a part of that statistic. And, and so the the number could be much larger and we just don't know what it is. Right. And, and the other sad part about it, this is, is I think it's one in three um, Hoosiers are one paycheck away from losing it. Wow. And when, and you throw a COVID in there, right? So here we went from 4% unemployment to 22, was it, in Indiana, I think, in a month. Wow. And you, every, every waiter and waitress in town lost their job instantaneously. It was just, they were gone. If you think all, all those kind of low-level um, jobs that we consider them low-level jobs, they lost their jobs, their income. What do they do? And so we were, we were really preparing for a bit of a surge, and we did see a surge. Um, fortunately they passed things like you can't kick someone out of their house because they can't pay their rent, but that's going to end soon. When it ends, what happens to five months, six months, seven months 
of back payments. Yeah. What's, and what is the landlord going to do when they haven't had any income for a property they're paying money on? Yeah. So it, it just trickles up and down and eventually, you know, they're going to, they're going to pay the piper and it's not their fault, but they're going to be, they're going to wind up on the street. They're going to wind up in a, in a situation where they're going to be homeless and they're not, some of them have networks, some of them don't. And that's, and somebody has to catch them. Somebody has to hear them. Somebody has to get the word out that there's, there are resources available to help prevent them from becoming homeless in the first place. And if they do become homeless, out of no fault of their own. And even if it is their fault of their own, to get them back into a house. I'll give an example. If you, th- if you look at um, parking tickets, something as simple as traffic stops and parking tickets, and you get the points against your license and you lose your license. So most people, it's not a big deal. But if you're, if you're at that one income or that you know, one-third of a person that's going to possibly lose your job, if, or lose your house if you lose your job, all of a sudden you can't drive to work can't drive to work you can't get to work there's no public transportation around here then all of a sudden now you are in a situation because the government has pulled your license that you can't drive you can't get to work you can't get to work you lose your job you lose your job you lose your house and anytime you step through the door of homelessness getting back is i just throw a number out there 10 times harder than it was to get there in the first place Steve, how do you see some of the, we had some conversation offline the other day. How do you see some of that same like scenario Jeff just gave in, you know, the suburban setting? How do you see that downtown? Are you seeing some of the same? In terms of like which scenarios maybe that, that create this situation. You had painted a picture for me the other day. I just don't want to feed you the picture, but this sure, picture. Sure. Of a, no, no. You're, you're versus a child gets sick or. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of those things that I try to remind myself of. Cause again, you know, I have three children, they're all in school here in the Avon community school system. And, um, you know, if, if, if someone gets sick, um, you know, I, I can stay home cause I have a job where I can absorb that. We can absorb that. Right. Um, you know, or, or if, if, uh, somebody gets really sick and, and we incur healthcare costs, um, and those bills come, um, you know, it might be painful, but I know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. I know it's a temporary pain, right. Um, or if just life happens, life happens to all of us. And, uh, I mean, it happens to us all the time. And, and there are, you know, we might find ourselves just being frustrated with life and what it's throwing at us on any given day. And that's any one of us in this room. But we can absorb it, and it's a temporary pain, and we get through it. And I think what Jeff is saying, which I think is universal and very true for people who are in these situations, is that it cascades out of control real quick. It goes real quick, right? And so, um, you know, the, one or two things, life happens to them and there's no margin for error, and they find themselves with no footing at all. And, um, and, and I think that that's uh, maybe not exactly answering your question, but, but I think uh, the, the larger point is that it, it can come in a variety of different forms. Everybody's got their own situation, their own circumstances, but um, I just think it's important to remember that you know many of us can absorb life happening to us knowing that it's a temporary struggle and it may feel like a struggle. 
Yeah. Um, but we know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, tunnel. And when I think of poverty in that term poverty, I think that sometimes we there's a connotation there that immediately goes to federal poverty lines and numbers and how do we define that by numbers. And I guess I would say that what it really looks like, I think, um, is that when someone reaches a point of hopelessness and despair and no matter how hard they work, and no matter how hard they try to get themselves out of their circumstances, they can't see a way out. Yeah. And and that's poverty, right? Wow. That that that's 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 different than the number that gets assigned to it. That's just a a palpable kind of, of reality or experience um, where people just, you know, again, they're told the story, just work harder, go get an education, go do this, get go do that, job. Yeah. address yeah. this, address that. Um Boy, oh boy. It, I mean, it's just, it's not that simple, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. So You look like you were going to say something. I got questions if you don't. Go ahead. Oh, no, there's lots of things I could say. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it, Jeff's a former preacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, when, when it, and I completely, Steve's on, on, on point here. I think this is, there's so many things that go into this. It's like, um, it's, a, it's a cauldron of problems. Um and and you can't. It's hard to put your finger on one thing. Man, if I could just solve this, it would resolve it. If I could just solve this, it would fix it. If I just if it just did this, and I was talking with uh, Julie Randall, our our executive director today, because I just wanted to kind of get a little bit of insight from her current snapshot. Right, I, I get snapshots as a board member um, and weekly updates and whatnot. But I wanted to kind of get her um, take on this right now today. What is it? Um, and I asked her. So what what are some of the things? that if we could fix right now, what would they be? And the number one thing in this county, because I'm, cause we're, we're in Hendricks County. So we're kind of, kind of in the heart of it. So let's kind of focus there is affordable housing. Okay. If you can't afford it, you can't live here. And if you work here and you're having to drive in 20, 30 miles because you can't afford to live here, that puts extra stress and whatnot on your, on your, and again, car situation, you have to buy a 20 year old car to, even afford it and it's probably it's gonna more break miles down. gonna break down faster oh, yeah. yeah just yeah. ask my little honda 2001 honda out there two hundred five thousand miles on it yeah. it could break down any moment right i can afford a new one but someone who's making twenty dollars an hour because they're working at chewy which is great but they're having to drive 30 miles to get to chewy which is out in clayton making twenty dollars an hour and I don't mean to interrupt, but I mean, I'm also thinking, you know, maybe they can't afford car insurance. And so they're, no. they're, they're rolling the dice. And then they all are. of a sudden, because, you know, they have a headlight out, they get pulled over and they have no car insurance. And now we're going back to what I was just saying, that this thing cascades out of control real quick. Now, all of a sudden, uh, they're a criminal mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, uh, it, and it just affects everything. Right. And so there's choices that they have to make and they're constantly gambling with those choices. So I didn't mean to interrupt. No, but. You're, you're exactly right. And, and that's, that's why. That's why it's so difficult to stay on top of it. And we were talking about free markets, for example. Well, the free market would fix it. Free markets are great, right? And, and seeing and seeing the the boom that happens in the free market, but actually what that does is it kind of creates a bit of a spread between those that have and are able to and, and are enjoying it and those that are kind of still stuck here aren't growing quite the same speed everybody else is. And then the housing moves away from them and, and what they could afford before I give you an ex- uh, example. I was thinking about this morning, um, and I, I love HGTV. And we have you know two chicks and a hammer downtown, right? We do, and they've, and they've been handling they've been handling the the south side of 
downtown Indianapolis in Bates Hendricks. In the five years that they've been in Bates Hendricks, I think that property value has, has gone up four times wow. what it was five years ago. Wow. Now, people were complaining because some of the houses in that area are low-income houses, and they can't afford their taxes now because now the tax assessments are on the four times what it was five years ago. Right. And great if you own one of those it's homes. It's great. But if you're making 15, 20 bucks an hour and you can't. You can't afford it. So yeah. it's, so yes, everything around you seems to be doing well, but you're kind of at this point where. You can't break through. You can't break through. You can't catch up. And, and, and that's the challenge that we have. So affordable houses is big. If we could just have affordable housing, but there's, there's obstacles to that too, because people don't want affordable housing near them. Yeah. And Plainfield is beginning to, to get a hold of that and say, you know, we need to do some affordable housing. Brownsburg is kind of on board there, and Avon isn't there yet. Yeah. But being able to create places, spaces where we can have affordable housing designated. Otherwise, we have to go, we do, and this is what Family Promise focuses on a lot, is building partnerships. That's all we're about, really. If you think about Family Promise, yeah, we get we get resources and funds, and we have uh, our you know our fit twenty really great employees there, doing amazing work, restoring people from homelessness. But the reality is, we couldn't do any of it without partners, a stability builders network. We've got twenty twenty five churches involved in that that help um, with that partnership. Kingsbury being one of them, uh, being partnering with us, finding people that need help, um, pulling in re additional resources, uh, uh, and, and, and helping us to identify people when they are in that kind of a need so that we can prevent that from happening. And, and working with landlords, right? So we have to individually go find landlords that are willing to say, yes, this house is, I, I can get $1,500 a month for this house easily. But I'll take nine. But I'll take nine. I'll take seven. Because I know it's going to help someone. Yeah. And, and they say, well, I know that I, I may sign a year lease with them, but they may, you know, they may lose their job. Something may happen. And so we come in behind, the, behind them with the landlord and say, we got you. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You can feel free to lease to these feel people. Feel free to lease yeah. to them. We're supporting you, and we're supporting them, and we thank you for right. supporting them. Yeah. And, and that's it, where somebody like Julie, I've only met her a few times, but she's fantastic. Oh yeah. I mean, I can tell pretty quickly and, you know, just that reputation and, and just those relationships pay off. Right. And, and cause it, it makes a landlord a lot more willing it does. to, to take that risk. And so, um, and, and I apologize, I feel like I keep interrupting you, no, but uh, this is a conversation. Uh, so, uh, affordable housing, I want to revisit that just for the, the people who are listening here. Um, so, uh, affordable housing, not to be confused with low income housing or, you know, section eight kind of, uh, federal subsidized housing. Affordable housing is just simply right. 30% of your income being applied toward housing. Um, so, um, you know, the recommendation would be that that whatever mortgage you take on or whatever rent you take on that uh, that when you look at your income uh, as a household that that it remain under thirty percent and anything over that it, it's just going to squeeze you. It, it's just you know any formula that you throw at it, it's just going to be very difficult to uh, to live life um, healthy in a healthy way. Uh, and, and so that's really what we're talking about there is that you know um, you know there, there's a lot of people who are making 
$18 an hour that can't find affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I do want to make sure that that's understood um, by people because, uh, again, a lot of times I think people are uh, picturing projects or something like that, and that's not what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's a very real issue here in H- Hendricks County. It's a very real issue in, in any community uh, to make sure that the housing stock that is available is affordable for the jobs and wages that exist in that community. Right, and, and in this county especially, uh, a $20 an hour job, for a single person is the minimum yeah. and you get married, you have a kid, that number doesn't just double it. It goes up much larger than that because you're dealing with the kids and the, and all of the things that kind of come along with kids like daycares and whatnot. So, you know, what you need to have as a, as a base income to meet that affordable housing that you have regional uh, is it also fluctuates based county to county. Southern counties aren't quite as bad. Hendricks County is moving along pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, to where that is going to be. And so we have a lot of great jobs down the warehouses, but most of them are paying just under that number. Yeah. And if you are a single mom with three kids, there's no way 20 bucks an hour is going to do you. Right. It's just not going to make it. Yeah. Again, I have a million questions that come up. I'll, I'll jump to one of these that maybe can up direct. Uh, years ago, I was watching the news. Uh, years ago, it was maybe like four or five years ago. And uh, I don't remember which news or what was going on, but I just remember them saying something to the effect of 18% of Hendricks County families are in suburban homelessness. So that's not just Avon, obviously. That's, you know, Plainfield, Brownsburg, the whole nine yards. You said 108 in Avon. And then I went, I'd never even heard of suburban homelessness, so I didn't know what that was. And so then I started poking around doing research. Some research jumps as high as like 24%, 25%. And it just kind of started blowing my mind in terms of where are we? Then over the last five years, probably like you guys, I'm watching these apartment complexes popping up all over Avon, Plainfield, Brownsburg. And I'm thinking, man, I, I lived in an apartment when I first got married. I don't want to go back. I would never wish that like on my worst enemy. Uh, home ownership is so the way to go compared to apartment. But then I thought, but what if you don't have a choice? And then this problem gets worse because once I'm moving into an apartment, I'm spending all my money on a rent. How do I ever get enough money to put it aside, ever buy a house. And like you said, the market keeps getting worse and worse and worse. It's growing. It's great for me as a homeowner. I mean, I'm eating it up. I'm making a killing. My home has gone up, I think, $50,000, $60,000 since I bought it 10 years ago. Um, but that's getting bigger and harder to get to now. It's, I, it's, it's almost impossible to find a, an apartment now under $1,000 a month. Yeah. Uh, it, they, don't, they don't exist in Hendricks County. And again, that's yeah, I, I, I was just about to say, I mean, it just so happens that uh, my mom, who currently lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I'm originally from Michigan, and, and uh, she's... I'll pray for you. Yeah, well, oh, that's right. You're an, oh, man. <laughs> man, so much to I'm talk about here. Okay. Yeah, um, go ahead, Steve. Sorry. I went to IU, by the way, so I'm a Hoosier. <laughs> okay, but, right. but anyways, um, she's, she's going to be moving down here, and, and, um, and, and we're, we're super excited to, to have her. And um, long story short, um, you know, I, I started to kind of just start looking for some places maybe that she could stay for a while. And uh, I couldn't find an apartment for under $1,000. Couldn't, couldn't find one. Uh, I, I didn't look. I didn't look real hard because I mean, ultimately, I just decided you know she's going to come stay with us. But, but so now to, you have to make three thousand dollars. According to the formula, yeah, you have to make three thousand. That's exactly month. right. That's exactly right. In order to afford a thousand dollar a month, yep. is that Which is more than that, that, that's what hour. affordable housing is, right? Thirty percent of so it, yeah. So if if you're spending thirty five percent of your income on your housing, then technically you are not in affordable housing. And there's too many people who are being put in this situation, right? So you, you're basically you're right. So even the basic model of, of an apartment here in Hendricks County, I mean, you're, you're going to have to be bringing home over $3,000 a month easy. 
or, you know, to, to be able to afford that's that. Minimum that's, that's minimum. That's minimum. That's, that's exactly what we're, we're looking at. Just, I want to encourage our listeners for a second. Do just do really quick math. What do you make a month? What are you paying in rent or in, or whatever you would call it, uh, your house payment? And then think about that. Are you paying 20%? Are you paying 25%? And then think about the stress that you feel at times. But imagine now if you're paying 35% or 40% or 50%, like, that's backbreaking. Yes. yes. So I, again, a million questions. Let me let me transition this just for a moment to say, why should Christians even care? Like, you know, I, I've got my family, we've got our sports, we've got our jobs, we've got our life. We're busy. Like, why should we care? Not what should we do about it? We'll get to that. Why should we care? Who was Jesus's target audience? <laughs> Jews? Is that what you mean? No, I'm yeah. kidding, by the way. They, yeah. were. they were. But they were also everybody that everybody else rejected. Yeah. Give me an example. Uh, you have blind people. You have homeless people. Um, when, you, when you look at the, the Old Testament scriptures that talk about taking care of the widows, the orphans, and the aliens, yeah, we think of the aliens as, oh, these are foreigners. No, actually, the, the, the word can be used for those that do not have a home. Yeah, It was the responsibility. And God's heart was speaking, you've got to take care of widows, orphans, and the alien. And that was the one of the reasons, if not the primary reason, they were thrown into captivity. Yep. Yeah, I know we've got to unpack that a little bit. So let's dig in for a second. Steve, mm-hmm. jump in here where you, you want to. So first of all, let's give a quick Hebrew history for those of you who aren't familiar. So God takes the Egypts as slaves. Sorry, the Israelites as slaves in Egypt, takes them out of there, leads them through the desert into the promised land. It gives them land. But many of the Egyptians who watched the, the God of heaven and earth bless the Israelites went... I don't know what to make of all this, but I'm going with them wherever they're going and followed them into the promised land, as well as some of the people in the promised land that were already afraid and joined them. And that's where you've got all these provisions throughout the Old Testament that Jeff is kind of summarizing, referring to and saying, keep open places, gleanings. So when you're taking your field, anything that drops, leave some of it on purpose so that people who don't have land can eat and be cared for. It was built into the system. But if you have land, now you can't have land in that system, but God was still teaching the Israelites, you're going to care for even people who aren't one of you because that's the kind of God I am, right? So that's, I don't know if you can add anything else you want to that, but that's the context, even the gleaning context. Yeah, and taking that concept, Jesus rolled that up and bundled it all up in the single command of loving God with all your heart and demonstrating it by loving your neighbor. Right. And how do we, how do we demonstrate our love for God? It is by loving our neighbors. Everything, everything, you cannot worship God. In fact, in the prayer that we pray, our Father who art in heaven, he ends that by saying, you know what? If you have something against your brother, in other words, if there's not a good relationship happening here, people-wise, yeah. don't waste your time with me. Right. Don't even come to me. Don't even worship me. Don't even try to pray to me. Yeah. Fix that. Then come to me. Right. I can wait. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, uh, and I mentioned this when we were talking right. last week, Matt, too. I mean, when I think, and, and I'm, you know, obviously everybody knows the Lord's Prayer, but, but you know, I, I think so much of it comes from the Shema, too, right? And, mm-hmm. and so I, I know that I've, I've recently begun saying that. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, it's hero Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. We will love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. But then what Jesus adds, right, yeah. is that, that that piece of the second is that we Just will love like our it. neighbor yeah. as we love ourselves, for these are the greatest of our commandments. And I think, you know, you're spot on. Jeff, I, I 100% agree. I think as Christians, you know, I think those relationships with others, with our neighbor, is very telling about our relationship with God and our understanding of our relationship with God. They go hand in hand. Yeah. When you look at the Lord's Prayer and when you look at the Shema, 
when you look at this, you can't spend any time in this and not come to that conclusion in some way. Yeah. It's not just about our comfort and our salvation. And I won't get into all no. that, but I, I really think it, it's so clear that, that how we treat one another and, and how we um, are treating the outcasts, mm-hmm. uh, the people who are in the margins, um, is very reflective of our understanding of our relationship with God. Yeah. You know, to, to, just, uh, so much to say. Wish we had about 10 hours. I felt the same way in the racism one and, and the life one. But the um, uh, when we see the biblical authors, guys like Peter and Paul, Mary, I'm just kidding, Puff the Magic Dragon. But anyway, we see Peter and Paul and others. She was there too. She was, <laughs> right, she was, yeah. I don't know if she wrote any of the books. Anyway, but maybe Hebrews. But uh, they're... It's almost like they're studying their Old Testament and what we call the Old Testament in light of Jesus, and they're coming to conclusions. And so Peter makes this point uh, in his writings in First, Second, Third Peter: uh, live as foreigners, sojourners in this world is the, the literal translation. And the, his whole point is: this world isn't your home. You're stopping through, and whether you have the the opportunity to make it here for eighty years or forty years, the whole point is: man, this, that's such a blip in eternity. So don't get settled in. Don't don't build up houses for yourself, silos for yourself, storing up goods for what purpose? It's all going to stay behind. You know, that's what Jesus says. When you get more, instead of saying, "Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll store it up and save it." Why don't you go? Maybe I have more because God intends for me to do more. Maybe that's why God gave me more. And the God who gave me more this year, maybe He'll give me more next year too. Maybe I don't really have to save it. Why am I saving? What would I save it up for? So I, I don't know what always what to do with these things. So that'll lead to the next question, which is what, what can Christians do? Obviously there are ways we could partner with the ministries you support. I want to hear about those, but also if you have any other thoughts about things you've seen or heard or you're trying to practice. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, um, it's easy to hide, especially in COVID time when you can't leave your house, but it's easy to kind of <laughs> shield your eyes from what's going on. It's easy to shield your eyes from you know, that's, that's there and not here. Um, but the reality is it's probably across the street. You know, I, I, I know I have neighbors within, I won't pinpoint too much, within three houses of me that have multifamilies living in the house. And I know why the, multi-level, the, the multifamilies are living in the house. Because somebody's homeless. And that's in an affluent neighborhood mm-hmm. in Hendricks County. So when you, when you think about the impact that we have um, as a church and what we can do, man, it's opening up our arms. It is, it is literally going and seeking. I, re- I remember reading, um, I can't remember who it was exactly. It was one of the first or second century authors, and they were describing what the, the Roman practice, and this is going to be slightly off topic, but not really. The Roman practice of abortion in the day was you had your baby. You didn't like the baby in some fashion. It wasn't proper. It wasn't exact. I didn't need it. You laid it on the street yeah. and let fate take care of the baby. Yeah. Well, fate was the Christians because the Christians would not let that go unsaid. And they wouldn't. They weren't you know, picketing the street and driving the streets. They just went out and grabbed the babies and took them home and made them their own. Yeah. And now the burden... And, and, and what's happened in the sacrifice of caring for that baby. Yeah. And the sad part is I think of what's happened in the past couple hundred years of, of Christendom is we've kind of made the shift away from, you know, like a single church, Catholic church kind of thing. And we went through the, through the um, uh, reformation and all the things that have come, come out of it. We focus a lot of our energy on spiritual and very little on social yeah. and the, and the impact that we have to our communities around us. And, and that, 
has been to our detriment, I believe. Yeah. And I think it's certainly not reflecting Christ when we do that, it, holistically. Um, we need to have the right balance there. Yeah. We need to go and we need to pull our hand, put our hands out on people. We need, get, need to get dirty. It's going to cost us to do that, though. Yeah. It's going to cost our checkbooks. It's going to cost us out of our homes. You know, we have empty empty rooms in our homes today. I'm sure we have every, the, I think the average square footage in this county is like 2,600 square feet. Wow. That's a lot of space. Yeah. And so we have, we have play, ways that we can think about how can we impact people. And sometimes it's, you know, it's sometimes it's finding that uh, kid, the kids that are in adoption right now, or not adoption, but uh, foster care. Foster care. Yeah. You know, the teenager that's overlooked because nobody wants them. They're technically homeless. If you think about it, they're homeless children in the system. Yeah. Find them. Bring them in your home. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that we as Christians, there shouldn't, honestly, in, in a Christian culture, in a Christian county, there should be no foster kids in the system yeah. that don't have a home to go to. Yeah. There shouldn't be homeless people in cars, in parking lots. There shouldn't be, because the Christians should be. There's I mean, enough there, Christians there, there in There are Hedges enough County people yeah. that we can do it, but we have to be willing to step outside of our comfort zone, yeah. be willing to be impacted by that sacrifice that we'll have to make to make that happen. So it's going to take, it's going to, you know, we can, we can say there's an organization that can do it. You go, you go do it. But then there's some, there are those times when God says, you know what? I've, I've sent them to you. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. That's good it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I, I'm, and again, I don't, I'm not, holding, I'm not going to hold back on this one because this is a challenge we all face because it could be me tomorrow. Yeah. And I would want someone to do the same thing for me. Yeah. I, I, I love having you a part of this conversation because you, you jump out and answer these questions and then I can. Gives you time I, to think. Yeah, I can, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not even thinking. I'm just listening, but it, it gets my, gets my mind going though. So I uh, love everything that you're saying, Jeff. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's just so much to talk about there, but uh, I mean, Absolutely. First, you know, uh, I think, you know, being a Christian, I mean, I think it, 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 we should be uncomfortable at times. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's its own conversation, I suppose. But I mean, I, really, we, we probably should be a little bit because uh, we are called to be different um, and, and to, to treat one another differently than, than the rest of the world. And, and uh, when I hear, you, you know, what you're saying, it, it makes me think of how, um, listen, there, there's so many great programs and resources out there. There are so many uh, federal and state programs and resources out there. And, and honestly, I mean, there's so many good people doing great things through those initiatives. Um, but the church is different in that, you know, and I guess um, I'm simplifying things, but we, uh, the, the world wants to define, and, and rightfully so. Again, I'm not casting judgment on this. You know, d define who's eligible for this service or that service. Do you meet this criteria? Do you not meet that criteria? Who's in? Who's out? And, and I think where where the church has an opportunity is to not worry so much about that. And it, we have the flexibility and the malleability and the, the the ability to just get into the cracks and to the creases and to be where people are and to show love and compassion and, and to, to uh, just to be more um, 
adaptive and reactive, I think, to what, what people are experiencing out there sometimes than these hard systems that are built on these defined ways in which you can engage their services. Again, all well-intentioned and all there for good reasons, but, but I think the church can be different. The church has the ability to, to do so much more. And uh, so, yeah, that, that, that comes to my yeah, mind. Yeah, something you said triggered me. Um, so you said something about the world. It's sort of dictating. And if you think about that, the world is dictating what the church looks like. Mm-hmm. And the memes, you can read them on the Facebooks, and you can read them. They've, they have dictated of course, some of it's out of our own mouth, but but they're dictating the conversation. They're they're determining, and we're fighting that. Of course, right? Have them chase after us for something good. Have yeah. them. You're not going to have anybody argue against you with love, right? If you're loving, yeah. if you're if you're taking your love that Christ has given you and pour it out upon other people, what laws are against that? Yeah. What is anybody <laughs> going to say against you yeah. when you are putting your arms around? the homeless and putting your arms around the hurting and putting your arms around the widows and the orphans. Um, that, you know. That's coming back to Peter again. It does. Peter says something to the effect of, um, you know, if you, who of you, if you get um, judged or you get treated harshly for doing something good, you know, who could condemn that? Like you did something good. If people treat right. you, that's on them. That'll come back on them. That's but right. you know, if you get punished for doing something bad or evil, so be it. That's yeah. the reason God put, you know, rules and governments in place. Um, so do good. There's no law against this thing, right? That's right. Um, Oh, nothing to anybody except for the law of love. I, I do wonder, um, people are going to be watching throughout this series, and they're going to be convicted in some form or fashion. That conviction is a good thing. It's that burden, right? We should be uncomfortable. This whole series, something in here should make, if nothing makes us uncomfortable, then we finally found Jesus living in our church, and I want to meet him. Please, come and talk to me. I want to meet you. Um, but it's going to make me uncomfortable. I know that. And so there's going to be a certain group of people who are uncomfortable here. One of the things uh, I will be saying, this this will come out after the sermon, but the sermon is this Sunday. So the sermon, anyway, th- you get that. One of the things that I'm going to say is, you know, when people come to church on Sunday, imagine coming from a very difficult financial place like this, for however you got there, but you're, you're barely surviving. You're making it month to month all the time. Maybe you come from a broken home. Maybe you just got pregnant and you're a single parent, whatever it is that got you there. And now you're showing up at church and you're just wanting to hear a word from the Lord, but you can't because you're totally stressed and anxious about whatever it is with your kids. What a blessing it is that for one or two hours on a Sunday, somebody is pouring into your kids for once. Somebody else, not for once, I'm not dismissing teachers or anything like that, but somebody is pouring into your kids, giving you a chance to hear from the Lord and to just uh, be poured into as a human being. And this is why it's such a big deal that we as a body say, you know what, I can give an extra couple hours out of my life to show up and pour into these people. Um, You think too about the single mom who maybe dad is not engaged. And I know that's not every single family situation, but you think now you've got a teenage son, who's going to pour into him? Who's going to teach him? Who's going to coach him? He's one in 30 or one in 40 in a classroom and that teacher may want to but may not have the margin the ability he's in and out of the room but you come on a sunday morning and you come on a sunday night we got an hour or two of extra time and now you got a contact with another adult you could reach out to and i'm like man the church could play such a role in so many ways if we just be willing to give that extra couple hours uh, yeah there's a a really great example here that uh, we were talking about this morning julie and i and that is uh child care yeah simple thing um, so let's, let's say that there is someone who is um, uh, is homeless or you know struggling with getting a job that they can have because they can't get a job because they have a child. Um, right now, you can get government assistance for that, and you can get you can get your child care taken care of. The backlog is six to twelve months. Wow! 
In Hendricks County? Yeah. Well, no, na- that's that's it. That's, 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 that's the backlog. Yeah, yeah. That's the state. The state. Um, and the money kind of is federally funded, given to the states, and the states kind of sit on it and then disperse it. But the backlog is so huge that the money doesn't get out. And so we at Family Promise have partnered with a, a, a St. Mary's um, to have free daycare during that time period while that backlog is happening for those that are coming there. But, of course, there's a limit there, too. Imagine if the church yeah. stepped up and said, you know what? You got a, you got a kid and you want to get a job. And while you're, while you're going through the process of getting that taken care of, why don't I watch your kids for you? Yeah. And we'll split it up between these three houses. Yeah. Imagine the impact. I mean, it's one thing to minister to them for two hours on a Sunday morning. Yeah. What happens the other six days a week? Guess what? The church could step up, could step in and fill a gap. And you want to talk about loving somebody? Yeah. You want to talk about changing someone's life? Yeah. You know, your words do, words are great. Deeds, far superior. Yeah. And that would be one, one possibility, right? Mm-hmm. You were looking for an example. That would be a great example and not highly impactful. Mm-hmm. I mean, from, from, a, from a resource point of view, mm-hmm. it's just time. Let's say um, somebody's watching this video, and um, there was years ago there was a book that came out, Rich Dad Poor Dad. I never read it. I've talked to other people who've read it, and they said essentially, I think the, the guy who wrote the book he had um, two dads, one is a biological, one's a stepdad, or something like that, and he just wrote the book from the two. What he learned, the lessons he learned from each, and he learned lessons from each. Um, but I know, like um, I come from a middle class, maybe upper middle class family. Uh, my dad summer after high school started his own company. He's doing very well financially and they bless us all the time. Like my mom once or twice a week calls and says, Hey, can I buy your whole family lunch? Well, when you have five people, that's not cheap. Um, and you know, we, we go out and, she, and she'll say, like, don't go to McDonald's. I'm not buying you McDonald's. You go somewhere nice. I'm buying you something nice. Or and she'll call me all the time. Like, Hey, you want a Starbucks? Like, Hey, I know you're in between meetings. I know you're busy. Like it just, she's just blessing us all the time. My dad taught me these principles about like, Hey, make sure you're putting in retirement from the time you're 20 years old, man. If you could do $10 a week and that's all you can do, man, that adds up compounded interest over time. But those are lessons that my dad learns. He grew up in a very, very, very poor scenario. Like at 10 years old, getting a job, carrying center blocks to put shoes on his brother's feet. My mom talks about putting car cardboard in her shoes that were hand-me-downs from her sister. So they both grew up very poor, but they learned certain lessons along the way. What are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way that you would say, look, if somebody's out there, they're coming from a hard situation and, and you need to know these things. What are, do you have any of those wisdom pieces you'd give to them? Like if they're watching this, like here's some assistance for you. Say, make sure you do these two or three things or reach out to these two or three ministries or anything like that. Don't be afraid to ask. Who? Okay, so you start you start with the well in, in our in Hendricks County, for example, we have the Stability Builders Network. So there's a lot of churches you could go to first and say, "Hey, I'm in dire straits." So the church can deal with the spiritual needs, right? Do maybe do some of the physical needs in their lives, and then say, "Here's our resource, Family Promise in Hendricks County. They can help you. They can help you out of the situation, and we'll walk with you as a church yeah. as you do that. So you're not alone. We're not just going to hand you off, but we'll be there with you along the way." I think that's a great, you know, that word will get out quickly. Yeah. If the church is doing something like that, I remember when I was pastoring up in Lafayette, we had several people that were homeless, um, some by name only, um, that would make the rounds, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the, you would see them about every three months because they would bounce around between all the other churches. And those are the ones that, get, that make, give the bad rap to poverty and homelessness in general yeah. because some of them do honestly enjoy being homeless but then that's but that's a very 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 small portion of people 
just like everything else, it's the extreme, but the extreme defines yeah. the everything else. Yeah. And that's not the case in so many lives. And so if we can if we can set ourselves up to be open armed. Yeah. So many so many years. And I, and I was talking to somebody last night who went to a church downtown. This kind of bounces off last week's sermon a little bit. But they but uh they went to a church in in this city, in Indianapolis, that said we aren't going to have black people in our church. And we're going to have, you know, just because cause Robins and, and Blue Jays don't mingle. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's, I, that, I that's miss, in this, that's in this city. Did I miss city. something? When, you when you missed it. <laughs> I feel like uh, I've so, been listening to everything you've been saying, but did I miss a piece of information? There was. When, when was this? This was, this, this was uh, I don't know, 20 years ago or so, 30 Still. years ago. Wow. But, that's, but that was in this county. Ironically, that church is gone. Um, and replaced and replaced with a uh, another church's uh, extension, um, which is great, and, and, yeah. and they're doing doing amazing work. But this church was in the midst of a, a black community, yeah, and that's just crazy, crazy yeah. things. We've got to overcome so much garbage, yeah, that has church label on it, yeah, and we do that with love. We do that by reaching out. We do that. By saying, you know what, I'm so, I'm so sorry for what happened to you in the past. I'm so sorry for the situation. How can I help? How can I step in and bridge this gap with you and walk with you? I want to teach you how to fish. I'm not just going to you know, hand, you, hand you money and let you walk away. But we want to teach you how to fish, but we want to be there with you and walk with you through it. And I think that's where, that's where we really, really can make the difference and impact impacting lives. Uh, any other any other wisdom you would say, Steve? Like, man, if somebody's watching this and they're struggling financially, maybe they're paycheck to paycheck, or they're just hit a hardship. Like, what what couldn't they do? Anything? Um, no, I mean, I think Jeff is spot on in that. You know, you you have to start with just asking for uh, support, asking for help, um, get that conversation started. Um, there there are resources in place. There are people who care. There are people who um, are, are waiting to help. Um, there's no doubt about it. But I, I, you know, I, I, think, I, I think it is important that they do get connected to, you know, and I, I hate to even use this word, but the right people, right? Because it is a complex system mm-hmm. and it's a difficult one to navigate. And, uh, there's again a, a lot of well-intentioned uh, resources in place, and um, but they might not always be the right resource for that person's circumstances at that time. And if 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 someone who's holding their hand and helping them through that process isn't familiar enough with all of the different pathways that are available, it could become just that much more frustrating. Uh, potentially. So I, I don't mean to be negative, but I mean, no. you know, yeah. you, you got to start by asking for help. There are plenty of people, there really are, who, who um, are, are ready and, and willing and, 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 and very wanting to help, um, but but definitely got to be connected to those people who, who really can help them navigate through the, the, the different pathways and resources that are available. Um, you know, to there's that, a lot to it. There was a there was a couple that and I won't give the details so nobody could pinpoint who I'm talking about, but there was a couple I was pouring my life into and they didn't go to Kingsway. They weren't Christians. But um after this connection was established, um uh, I did their wedding 
Um, even though they didn't go here, they weren't Christian. Long story short, I would get, they moved out of state, but I would get these contacts all the time. They were connected to a community people that I would have never had any influence over. They would have never even heard of me and known who I was. And I would get these messages all the time, like, hey, so-and-so is a tough situation. Their husband or boyfriend or whatever is drunk and he's, you know, he's losing it and they don't have anywhere to go and they got two kids. What can you do? And I'm like, I don't, I don't have any access to money that I could just like do anything. So I, you know, I'm sitting here trying to find all these different ministries and have you tried calling so-and-so? Have you called so-and-so? Yeah, we tried that. They wouldn't take us. They wouldn't take us. And I kept thinking like there was this one night I'm like, I'm doing my best on Google to look up who we could put you in touch with. They've already gone through five. They've all said, no, they're either all, it was in the middle of the winter. They're all full. They're all busy. There was no openings. There's no opportunities and going. And I literally, and I could see the hopelessness of the city. They finally found out like a friend of a friend who was like, yeah, you can come stay with us for the night kind of thing. And I'm like, man, I, so, and then that's, that's exactly to my point. You just said it way more clearly and concisely, but that's exactly right. That's exactly what can happen. So if it's difficult for us yeah. to navigate and to figure out exactly where to go, um, imagine how frustrating because there's they're so much on their mind anyways. Of course. You, you know, so it, they're it, freaking out and they're really, and, literally and, already out of the house. Yep. They're literally on the street mm-hmm. and it's cold. Right. And they're trying to figure out what to do next. Right. And I'm sitting here with, I think it was Saturday night on this one time and I'm going, do I literally invite, I mean, it's like 11 o'clock at night. I mean, you know, I got to get up preaching in the morning. I don't know yeah. these people. Like I've never met them. I know the person who knows them and they're in another right. state. Do I invite them into my home? Is that wise? Is that unwise? Like, I mean, I was struggling. So I was praising yeah. God that somebody who did know them. You know, and, and, hook, and <laughs> a little off the subject, but but somewhat relevant, I think, to, to what we were just discussing is, uh, you know, one of the services that Wheeler Mission provides to the city of Indianapolis is this thing called winter contingency, right? So uh, during the winter months, so it starts on November 1st and it goes to March 31st during the winter months when, uh, especially in central Indiana, when you know, the weather can be pretty unforgiving and pretty, pretty difficult. Um, it's inhumane to yeah. allow anyone to be out on the streets, mm-hmm. right? And so during that period of time, we provide what's called winter contingency, right? So, um, you know, anybody and everybody is welcome in our doors. But over the last several years, we have not had the space. And so the church community in the urban environment of Indianapolis has been wonderful in opening up their doors to give us their their gym space. So that, for example, Cornerstone Cornerstone Lutheran Church um, in, in Indianapolis uh, we've had women and children specifically sleeping on the floor at their gymnasium wow. um, for the last couple of winters because we just didn't have the space. And Central Christian Church downtown on, on Delaware Street, um, same thing for the men. Yeah. And, you know, it, again, I mean, it's, it's just a huge blame. The, the, the church can play a significant role, yeah, right? And, 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 and kind of tying it back into uh, the question that you just asked, um, I would also say to anyone who might be listening, that there there are people who do come out on the other end yeah. and and have a very happy, healthy, productive, successful life. Yeah. There, there the was the there, no, absolutely. They're they're just uh, you know one of the things that I'm so proud of in working at Wheeler, um, and there's so many, but one of the things is that we have so many staff who have been through uh, either homelessness yeah. or the programming, and they've come out on the other end. And what they want to do with the position that they've been put in now is to go back and to help those who um, are experiencing something very similar to what they experienced. And and there's just nothing more powerful for someone than to speak with someone who understands, right? That really gets it. Uh, You know, 
I, and I think we've already talked about this, but early on, maybe I didn't mention, you know, I, I'm in the fundraising and development department, right? So I, easy for me to sit here and talk about all this stuff. I mean, I do my best to try to contribute and to help. And, and I, and I, and I go, I go eat in our shelters and I try to develop relationship with some of the guys every once in a while, that kind of thing, but it's not the same thing. And, and I would never pretend to really be as impactful in, in helping someone, um, through that experience as someone who's actually working in our shelters. Yeah. Um, and often they have that lived experience that is just invaluable. Right. Yeah. That family, your point about hope and stories do turn that family that I referenced about the dad who had the drinking problem, um, after dad left the house, I mean, it was while I was the student pastor at that church, it was hard. Um, I remember at one point, um, things were falling apart in the family. They were still in their home by God's grace. And I just took that young man out. To, I remember we were sitting in an Arby's parking lot and, uh, we're just sitting there and I said, look, man, you, you've been dealt a bad hand in life, but you get a choice to make. This is either going to define you the rest of your life, or you're going to see this as just the starting point of what God wants to do next. He just graduated a month ago with his master's uh, degree. Uh, he's married and um, he has like led his sister and his mother uh, to the Lord. They obviously had heard about him, but he's led them to the Lord. He's continued to care for God. It's rebuilt and restored much of the hurt and the pain and the wounds and the trauma that existed in the home. And I won't go any further. That's his story to tell, but there is hope. It took, years. It took hard work. It took a lot of us coming alongside him and offering wisdom and insight and, and loving him, inviting him in, giving a place to vent when things were bad and ugly. But I just look at the redemption and the story and I'm like, thank you, God, that you're still in this business. Um, and as our pastor Norell said this past Sunday in the sermon on racism, it's trans, it's supernatural transformation. It can't be done by human effort alone. Um, so I'm going to ask for any last parting thoughts as we're wrapping things up. Anything that's just been burning a hole in your head, like, I wish I could just say this thing or get the story out of this data point. I wish everybody knew this. Open a know. can of worms if yeah, I start. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're three minutes to go, right? Three minutes to go, yeah. No, I, I think um, uh, we, we've covered quite a few quite a few things, right? So there's a lot of different topics, a lot of different things for people to think about to think, how can I get involved? Yeah. Um, certainly one way is reach out to the two organizations, Family Promise and Wheel of Mission, yeah. and ask. Right. We've got hundreds of volunteers doing different things. Yeah. And there's so many. We have, we, have we have one volunteer who basically uh, finds barns to put furniture in <laughs> to hold for families when they graduate <laughs> from the program. Yeah. That's a great ministry. It's a simple thing, right? Do you have a barn that's not being used right now that we could use to stick some stuff into, yeah. right? Um, so there's there's a lot of ways you could help out. We just need to know, you know, you're available, right? Give give up your time, certainly yeah. time, talent, treasure. So if you if you are, uh, you know, certainly money is always welcome. We never. I don't think I've ever turned down money. <laughs> Didn't you say you're in the grant and the funding I, yeah, part yeah, of yeah, you ever turned down money? You never turned down money either, Steve. You know, I don't think I no. have. Okay, <laughs> didn't say that. So that is an option. Yeah. Right. Um, I think $365 is an operational day for us. Wow. So that's kind of, we've used this 365 program for two or three years now, but um, we may be beyond that now because we've expanded quite a bit, but it's still conceptually, that's a dollar a day. Yeah. Right. And, and you can really support. Um, and and I'm trying to get the actual numbers for what it costs to restore some one family back. It is not that much. Yeah. 
when you when you look at the big scheme of things and you're restoring five families a week and we're we're restor- we're preventing homelessness for 15 families a week so 20 families right there per week are not going to the streets yeah with just one organization and then there's a whole vo- whole volume of other things that are happening too and we're getting ready to kind of take this step into d- another level of homelessness which is domestic violence yeah because if you're in a situation where you your your spouse and you are or in the, and you have to get away, right? Then you have, you know, maybe you don't have a job, but you get the kids. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Where are you going to go? Yeah. And so that's that's a huge another paradigm. It's so many different angles of this, and I think just having having people in the church go and knock on the door and say, "How can I help?" Yeah. Um, and having that conversation with um, people down down at Family Promise, Lisa and Julie and, and Melanie and so many other ones down there, we'll certainly find a way for you to, to be involved. I know we aren't round, not, right now. We're not bouncing around between churches like we used to do because of COVID. Um, we uh, act because of COVID. We've had to. We we were the last Family Promise to think in the nation. There's like 110 or 20 of them to um, to kind of move from that model during yeah. this season we only did that like three weeks ago yeah um and we put all of our families into hotels temporarily but um but yeah there's so many ways still my family i think um kingsway was it last week or this week they're doing ministry is this week they're doing ministry for um for family promise oh yeah so taking meals and doing. i didn't know what you were asking about so i didn't know how to say yeah i saw you look at danielle behind me well she she nods and (laughs) she knows that's the difference i knew it was she knows stuff this week so. I'm just a pretty face. I'm not even that pretty. So I'm just a face. It's not. It's not a good thing. Is that, is that no comment. They, no is comment. that why they put you on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't no. even want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Steve, bad. is there any last thing, parting words you'd love to share? Um, you know, it, there's so many different directions to go in, but I guess I would just say that um, kind of tying it back into some of the things we were talking about right at the beginning of this conversation. Um, you know, it's something that I bring up to my kids from time to time and they get annoyed with me, but, um, you know, it's, it's human nature, right? They're, they're always focused on, you know, they look how big that house is or look, look, you know, look, look at what, what they got a those, swimming pool. Yeah. Look yeah. at what they have. Why don't we have that? You know, everybody else goes to all these cool vacations. Why don't we do these things? Totally normal. Not, not trying to, you know, crucify them in any way for that. But, uh, but here, when we go into the city, when we go downtown, when we go, uh, serve at the shelter or something. Um, I do try to remind them, look around. Most people, we, we do really well. Most people aren't living even anywhere near as well as we are. And, you know, we don't see them. And, and I think that that's kind of, you know, trying to tie it all up a little bit. You know, we, we just don't even see them and they're right there. And there's a lot of them. Going back to what Jeff said earlier, right? And the United Way has been doing some really mm-hmm. uh, important work in so many ways. Um, but in recent years, they've done this thing called ALICE, mm-hmm. um, Asset Lim- Limited, Income Constrained, but Employed. So their focus has not been on those who are, uh, I don't know, that's a mouthful, of, yeah. isn't it? But, yeah. but, you know, their focus is saying, let's let's not just focus on those who are in po- poverty, who are, those are, who are homeless. Let's focus on those people who are on the break. Right they're, on. they're skating on thin ice. Yeah. And what they found is that in the state of Indiana, and that's 40% of households, right? And when you drive around, okay, and if you really open your eyes, it's not that hard to see. Wow. It's really not that hard to see. We just don't see it because all we see is what we don't have and what we want. 
And so I'm not sitting here trying to, to judge anyone, but I mean, the, the bottom line is, is that I think it's important that we see these people. You know, right. Paul, Paul says in Philippians, I think it is, right, Jeff? Um, I've learned to be content in all situations. First of all, I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul. The right? secret of contentment. Yeah, the secret. Yeah. yeah. No, you want to let it's me know what the secret is? Yeah. <laughs> Paul didn't do it. No. But the fact that he had to learn it, it wasn't natural. No. He had to learn it. Well, Christianity is a supernatural yeah. faith. Yeah. You think about what you believe to be a Christian, it's supernatural. Yeah. And you and the Christian life is a supernatural life. And if you're trying to live it in a natural way, you're gonna not going to succeed. It's not going to happen. There's so much more we can say. And guys, I just want to say thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for the love and the way you serve Jesus um, in your jobs and in your ministries. Uh, let's pray. And let's pray um, first, uh, as James says, let's pray first for those who are impoverished um, and for their humble situation because they are blessed by God. And then we'll pray for um, our humiliated, actually, James says, <laughs> brothers and sisters, which would be almost all of us in this room who actually have much, um, but we have the same grace of Jesus. And so we're going to pray that God would bless one and, and that he would encourage and convict the other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would take this podcast, and um, we pray, Lord, that other people who are watching and listening right now don't just tune us out, um, but instead hear this prayer and be convicted. Father, right now we pray for our um, brothers and sisters who are living paycheck to paycheck or are impoverished in some way or another, and uh, Lord, we pray that you would um, come alongside them. We pray that you would first reveal Jesus to them as their Savior and King, and then, Lord, you promise that they don't have anything to worry about, that you will meet their needs. Um, you promise us that um, today has enough worries of its own to just focus on that, and that you'll take care of us like you take care of the birds and the flowers. But Lord, I also know that one of the ways you take care of us and our days and hours, moments of need is by inspiring people with resources that you have blessed to be a blessing. And so God, I pray right now for um, those who have much. I pray, God, that they would be humbled underneath the weight of this conversation. And I pray, God, that they would find ways, whether it's through, as Jeff said so well, whether it's through time, talent, or treasure, to give generously of themselves um, to others or to these ministries and other ministries like Sheltering Wings and, and Hope Healthcare. Father, there are so many great Christian ministries that are doing something to try to alleviate the suffering of this world. And we thank you for all of them and their leaders. We pray blessing and for wisdom. And um, Lord, we just ask them, pray that you would use this. And in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. God bless.